This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 23, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Most banks are fine, so why all the talk of nationalization and President Obama's housing plan? Just how willing will Congress be to lean on unwise borrowers to pay up? Cato Institute Senior Fellow Gerald P. O'Driscoll comments. Explain the confusion here about uh, nationalizing banks. What what you're hearing versus what is actually uh, well established about the about the this idea of nationalization. Yes. Well, first of all, there's a, a lot of imprecision in language, and there are apparently actually some loonies out there who want to nationalize the entire banking system, even though. Pick your figure. Certainly, ninety percent of the banks are fine, probably higher, possibly higher. Um, so, you know, why do you want to nationalize an institution that uh, there's nothing wrong with? It's an ideological uh, position. Uh, leaving that aside, uh, there is a legitimate feeling that the government is pouring money down the drain uh, by re- keep they keep recapitalizing a small number of very large banks, and so the feeling is, uh, should this continue or should the government just take it over? That's at least a rational debate. Um, And I guess uh, what I would say is, okay, if you think the bank is insolvent, certainly it should be resolved. But do you really want to see the government uh, running very large financial institutions? Uh, In effect, we already have seen that movie. It's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and they're not doing such a good job of it. Um, So I guess the... The people who advocate that the government actually take over, assuming that there are large insolvent banks that they take them over, uh, what are they going to do the day after, and how are we going to keep it from not becoming extremely politicized um, lending, directed lending through these large institutions, much as we see with Fannie and Freddie? Is there a model that some are working from that is at least reasonable? There was a, uh, yeah, there are two possible models here that immediately come to mind. There was, first of all, there was a, a crisis um, in the Scandinavian banks in the 1990s, and uh, particularly the Swedish, the way the Swedes handled it is, is, and I've held that up myself, is probably as good a resolution of a banking crisis as occurred in developed country in, in recent years. And the Swedes did, the government did actually nationalize one or two, I think, of the banks and then provided uh, capital assistance to the other and also um, created what we now call a bad bank. They took the assets out of these institutions that were dicey or bad and basically hired people to work out, work out these assets as best they could. Now, I think all of these elements worked together. They decided the two of the institutions were insolvent, so they took them over, uh, ran them until they could get them reprivatized, uh, worked out the bad assets, and did it in as non-political a way as could have been done. And I might add, there was a lot of political fallout from the way they did this because the people who were working out the bad assets were squeezing the borrowers to get as much money as they could. So I asked the advocates of the Swedish model of the 1990s who want to apply it to 21st century America, do they think they could really do this in an essentially non-political way? Uh, I doubt it. You're talking about, is it politically feasible to squeeze borrowers? Yeah, it's politically feasible to imitate the Swedish model. Are they, going to, are they prepared to squeeze borrowers? The evidence is 
the contrary. They're trying to keep banks from, I wouldn't say squeeze homeowners, but simply foreclose on the people who want um, paying their mortgages. Um, so uh, I think it would become a holy mess. With regard to banks, it seems that we've entered a new age of uncertainty when it comes to uh, what we thought we knew about uh, the banking system in, in the United States and indeed the world. Uh, given that individuals, businesses, banks are in the process of trying to deleverage, is that a widely understood uh, set of premises or do people disagree at, even at that level? I don't know if it's widely understood, but I think it's understood by anyone who's studied banking and understands what's going on, that individuals, homeowners, non-financial businesses, and banks are all in the process of deleveraging, and that is a multi-year process. And I would say that the stimulus bill and almost every plan that has been discussed um, certainly that is coming out of the administration, frustrates that process because they're trying to resist the deleveraging and indeed borrow and stimulate more spending, and that will only lengthen the process. Two items in particular that I, I, I come to mind when you, when you say that is uh, in the stimulus plan, uh, there is an element of it that would make uh, new auto loan interest uh, deductible to some extent. And the housing bailout that uh, President Obama has unveiled is seeking to extend loan terms uh, for many people who are in danger of foreclosure and uh, also would reduce to some extent uh, their housing payments down to as little as 31% of gross income. I've never gotten any financial advice that told me that my a uh, housing payment for a house payment should be anywhere near 31% of my uh, gross income. Yeah. I mean, that uh, certainly, uh, as an average, uh, is, is probably the absolute upper bound. And, and I, doubt that, I doubt that banks now would, would make very many mortgages, uh, voluntarily uh, new mortgages, in which um, the homeowner, in which the, uh, the service of the mortgage uh, consumed 31% of the gross income. So, it's, it's first of all, it's, uh, it's very ill thought out, as you suggest, and it's been tried. I mean, the Bush administration had a plan, and I think there have been exactly 25, 25, not 25,000 or 2,500, but 25 refinancings under this because it doesn't address the real problem. They're extending the terms um, and uh, lowering the monthly rate without changing the value of the mortgage. And if the person is underwater, what is the incentive for them to do this? Um, really, from the beginning, there have been two options that have been open to individuals that are hopelessly under the water, uh, no, no chance within a decade that the value of the house is going to be restored to the value of the mortgage, to turn the keys into the lender. Now, there are consequences of that, but it's an option. And the second one is if they become hopelessly, it's not just their home mortgage, but maybe they have a line of credit and they have uh, credit card debt, and they're hopelessly uh, indebted. Uh, this is why we have a bankruptcy code. <laughs> so it, there is no great government program in either case that is necessary. No new. Pro it's a it's a situation in which each individual, depending on his circumstances, can decide rationally what to do. Or he may decide that despite being underwater, he wants to keep his home and he'll make the payment. So why is this a social problem? 
when a financial crisis hits, when a widespread and sharp and deep recession hits like the one that we are involved in now, can governments deleverage? And if, if they do, what's the, uh, what's the likely result? It's hard for governments to deleverage during uh, a, a situation like the current one, which is a combination of a, of a significant recession approaching the 1981-82 recession, by no means approaching anything else like uh, anything like the Great Depression, but one of the more severe post-war recessions, plus a banking crisis. The two together will almost inevitably lead to a sharp drop-off in revenues. So the governments will almost inevitably go into deficit uh, in that kind of situation. Uh, it is the height of folly for them to exacerbate it by tremendously increasing spending at the same time. It creates a deficit that will be very hard for us to dig out of. So um, it's hard for the government to, uh, to repeat. It's hard for the government to deleverage during the crisis, but there's no reason for them to add to the deficit. Gerald P. O'Driscoll is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read his latest Wall Street Journal op-ed on nationalization of banks at Cato.org.